morning. Here we go. 18 May on a very nice spring morning. 15 degrees outside here in Piobico. Here in Piobico. <laughs> I'm Jason. That's Ashley. You've downloaded the podcast from Italy. Thank you very much for listening to us blabble for a little bit into these microphones. Good morning, Ash. Good morning. Ciao. We got the birds chirping. It's kind of a high haze going on today. Yesterday, we had a, some thunderstorms move through in the late evening, and we'll probably have the same thing again today. So typical late spring. I like it. It's nice. We've been able to spend long days outside in the garden. Yeah. Um, the birds are chirping. Spring's here. Uh, Starting to hear the crickets. And at night... Saw it, the first firefly last night. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's all happening. It is. Well, should we jump into what people want to hear? Yeah. Let's just uh, not even segue. <laughs> <laughs> It's what every freaking phone conversation starts with when we call family and friends. The, a 20 the, minute recap of what's going on in your neck of the woods. <laughs> so here's our uh, COVID update from Italy. God. Well, what's going on? Let's first talk about. Well, today is the first day we can travel through our own region without um, freely, without having a, necess- a necessity to do so. So up until today, we had to- from the beginning of March. Yeah, early, Mar- very early March. Up until yes, today we had to fill out a form that you print off off the internet and f- your name and all this stuff and sort of self certify that you don't have a fever or COVID and that why you're going out. So you must you- have a necessity to leave the house so if we were stopped we can hand this to whoever's controlling it uh as of today we don't need to do that but we can't leave our region correct or you might think of it as a state so we couldn't leave the state of washington or the state of lamarque we must stay in our region of lamarque and then they're talking as of june 3rd to open it up to where we could freely travel through Italy mm-hmm. um, and opening it up to travel, but that's a whole nother. So there's a lot of confusion. A lot about. of confusion, especially when you read headlines. Italy's open as of June 3rd for uh, international travelers. Well, that means so far from what we understand, EU travelers. They have not put out the decree yet. Anything that you read is all. Uh, it's all speculation. It's all speculation. <laughs> because until the the ministry or until the state puts out the decreto and they put it out and it's like, you know, it's they write it into law. and they'll I think he did last night. For, to, for, ne- for, for June today. 3rd? Yeah. For today. For, to give exactly. Okay. So today. they only <laughs> did it this weekend for the opening up of your region. So we don't know exactly what's going to happen. Word on the street is they might open it up to EU. Uh, Schengen countries, but not Ireland and UK. Other times I've seen it's open to UK. No one has talked about it being open to North America. So if you do see that, that is absolutely not true. There's no way. We are just like you guys trying to find information in all forms and all languages. So it's hard (laughs) and it's strange and it's weird. I think everyone's confused everywhere. One thing that is certain is when we leave the house and go shopping, um, always in a mask, uh, all stores, you must have gloves when you enter as well shops and whether you have them yourself, they have them there for you as well. Um, today starts where you could, uh, restaurants can do more than takeout, um, I think bars can open today, but no one exactly knows. They we got the um, the new decree for the cleaning. cleaning and how we have to run our business if we have guests here. It was forty something pages, and there's a lot. Of- well, that 
includes or doesn't include the four pages of people's names and who's part of the degree. It was like, it's hysterical. The the amount of pages of just instating law number or referring to whatever and naming all the people in their positions that have participated in this decree. It's like, where the hell is the information? (laughs) Finally, page 48, you get to it. But Um, it's a lot. And that's the thing. So places could open, start to open, but then the question kind of is, how? How are you able to install some of these uh, new protocols, regulations? How, how do you have a restaurant that you ha- still can only have 25% of the guests, but you still have 100% of the costs? That's a big one. And also there's a lot of confusion on, God forbid, someone comes into your establishment and if they have had COVID or get it while it shows symptoms while they're here, you are... Uh, liable for that we are responsible which i don't understand because someone could have had it for up to what a week or two before they show symptoms so how is that how am i responsible for that i i don't know there's a lot of things there's a lot going the on the amount of signage we would have to put <laughs> all over this place so there's going to still be a lot to do before places can really be operational i feel like as well well we'll see today I, we're not going out today but we'll see in the this week how does it really look? How does it really run? Um, is there going to be like a plexiglass barrier in between you, me and you sitting at a table in a restaurant? That's and what they've talked about. So we'll, we'll see. It's, they talked about plexiglass boxes at the beach, but thankfully that... Put, put all my money in plexiglass. <laughs> I know. But thankfully that has gone away. Um, unfortunately, they're talking though at the beaches uh, where there would be the paid beaches like normal where the, you get the umbrella and the bed. Um, the umbrellas will be spaced out about four and a half to five meters, and then the beds um, have to be social distance. Social distance, at least two meters apart. Um, it's going to look weird, and so. you have to take like reservations for time slots at the beach. So, so before it was yours for the day. Exactly, you can get up there at seven in the morning and leave at eight at night when they close. Now it's like four hour blocks or three hour blocks. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it's going to work. I know so. Every day, a little more information and a little, a lot more confusion. Yeah, a lot more confusion. <laughs> so what's it like when you're going... Jason, unfortunately, something he has always loved, he loves no longer, and that's grocery shopping. Oh, I used to love going to the butcher and the fruit fruit, um, fruit and vegetable vendor and, and seeing all my peeps and... And all your ladies yakking it up with the bread it's sticks. No, <laughs> I've now said I'm done. Ashley, that's your job now because... I'll take. I'll pick up something that you do because it's just not fun anymore. It takes forever. And let's um, talk selection. What are you seeing at the grocery store? Oh, and have you started to see things? Prices change and selection. Fruit and vegetables. Down? Fruit and vegetables are very expensive now, and they look crappy. And it's not that they're, there's a problem with them. The problem is there's no one to harvest them so when you oh. see the asparagus this year they're huge and knobby and and not straight and, and thin and nice and they're super expensive uh peas are all too much starting to come too mature uh the lettuces look like have you ever let a lettuce go in your garden where it starts growing from the inside because it or from the center that up center stalks are yeah. tall it's they're just started like the lettuces look like that however the melon because it's been slow to pick has been delicious because it stayed on the vine longer so let's explain why we're having a problem with produce um because most of the people who uh, like 
wherever you're listening to, probably most of the people who pick the produce are immigrants, and they've locked down. And a majority of Italians, Italian farming for produce is still done by hand, especially in the South. It's correct? just not mecha- don't It's not by hand. Sorry, it's not, you're right. The the harvest is not mechanized. It's not like in the states where you have that weird tractor that like rolls over the lettuce patches and, and just picks and everything. Just picks everything. No, people are in the fields with. If you drive through Italy, the Emilia Romagna or down south, you'll see all the all the um, plastic bins. bins in the fields that, the, and then they come and collect them that way. So since there's no one here to do that, I don't know how uh, prices of. Thank God this garden's going to be. <laughs> I know my garden's going to be producing soon because we used to go and get for twelve euros like two huge sacks of fruits and vegetables, and now it's. 20, to, yeah. 20 bucks and yeah. it's two it, it's you know half as much mm-hmm. so um fruit and vegetables have definitely gone down but bought up but everything else meat and and dairy and all that stuff no problem nothing well that's good i know does you think that suffices for a update for our area can you think of anything else covid related mm-hmm. <laughs> No, not really. We're craving a trip to the coast so bad. I know it's not, it's kind of like, woe is me. We get to be outside. Thank God we're not stuck in an apartment, but man, to go have some fish on the coast and especially get a ton of gelato. Jason has gotten the, um, we're so American. We've got like the classic cooler on wheels, like the igloo cooler. And he's put the freezer packs in the freezer. He's got the cooler cleaned out and ready to go. So as soon as we have a green light that uh, we can go to the well, coast. Technically, we could go out today. I know. We just felt like we needed to. Yeah, we're going to. I think let's wait a few days and see how it shakes out. And let mm-hmm. every. I think we'll go towards. We'll go out towards the end of the week. I, I don't want to go out the first. Day. No, we'll go maybe this week. Yeah, towards the end of the week, yeah. exactly. Uh, but we are ready for, for bringing a ton of gelato home. <laughs> um, we need to go out and get olive oil. We have oh. we are out of olive oil. Well, this is something that's interesting. It's uh, one, another one of Jason's favorite things that, unfortunately, due to not having guests this summer, uh, it has changed. Jason has always worked at a kitchen forever. And one of his most favorite things is buying in bulk. And just buying whole for pe- a reason. Whole, not buying in bulk as in like, oh, give me 20 kilos of flour no, or, no. or sugar. No, I like going and getting the whole wheel of cheese. Yeah, you're not like or, a big Costco guy, but it's like, yeah, no. I want not just one wheel of cheese. Give me three. Let's fill the vet in with wine and hundreds of liters to come home because well, we always it, have guests to feed so it's fun it's like yeah grab another throw another kilo of that in or it's fun going and getting a couple hundred liters of of wine or you know filling the whole thing with cases mm-hmm. or, or go- going to down south to puglia to get the cacciacavallo the different cheeses and so now that it's it's just us for a little bit it's it's kind of sad because but we do need olive oil we are totally out of good eating olive oil so there's a couple of things we've done in years past um the closest one is cartocheto um which is in between us and the coast there's a little microclimate there. And they can grow a little bit of olives. Um, their olive oil is good. It's not the. It's not mediocre. It's good. It's not the best. And, but it is extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. They have their noses up in the air, in my opinion, up there a little bit. Like, Well, it's like, hey, if you want it from here, this is what it's going to cost you. Otherwise, you can drive an hour. Yeah. So then there's um, – if you go down south um, – Towards like Yesi and, and Ostra, Ostra, uh, that's where you'll start seeing olive production as well. Um, we go to a place 
uh, we've got Guzzini. Guzzini, yeah, mm-hmm. they have a good olive oil. Um, I, in my opinion, a better quality and a, a couple of euros a liter cheaper. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to take a and a selection, like yes, f- flowery, fr- fruity, uh, more and floral, or what I like, where it gets you in the back of the throat, and well, real the peppery one, and green. One thing about it, I like that guy is he doesn't blend them. He's mm-hmm. got it's like a, think of it as a single malt scotch versus a blended scotch so you can absolutely he'll blend he has a blend but you can go there and say i want a fruity one i want an acidic one and i want a uh, middle of the road whereas cartocheto this is just kind of like cartocheto olive oil mm-hmm. um, and then if you want to jump in the car and drive about four hours south now you get down to puglia and that's a whole different taste in olive oil it's really interesting how all these olive oils taste different um when italians do the whole thing of oh it tastes this way because of the soil and the way the air passes through these leaves and the sun and the position right here it sounds so fluffy and you're like yeah 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 everyone says that but it's true in its own way i mean it is what gives these places its uh characters and and different flavors um, and I like Down Puglia the best. It's the biggest selection. Um, there's tons of producers. Probably the best bang for your buck. The best, definitely the best bang for your buck. But it is different from like a Tuscan olive oil. Like for me, the Tuscan olive oils are too green and too, uh, they're just too raw. They get you in the back of the throat. I don't, I don't really care for the Tuscan olive oils. Um, I do like the, the Pugliese eh? and anything from kind of down south there. But, um, some of the best olive oil I've had is actually from Greece. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the Greek olive oil is just like incredibly smooth and different and delicious. So The older uh, the trees. The older the trees. So it doesn't necessarily have to be Italian. Um, don't tell anyone that. But um, it's – try them. And if you're going to spend a lot of money for olive oil, you should be able to try it. Don't go buy the label. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else has been going on? Let's um, – so we've done the shopping and the kind of local update. We've been just doing projects here around the house and we've taken the flower beds or the kind of raised boxes that we had put around the house and turned those into, got rid of the flowers. Well, not got rid of Well, we yes, we pulled the tulips. Um, they were done for the spring and instead of replanting with other flowers, we decided to fill it with food. So we've surrounded the house with tons of lettuce. Um, lettuce, carrots, lettuce, carrots, kohlrabi, beets, celery. radishes, celery, all the little stuff uh, we put around the house instead of into the garden. It's, it's so much better. My garden is the soil is not meant for that little that little stuff. Definitely not carrots. No, no. Um, I've never had much luck growing carrots down there. But when we but when you can amend the soil much easier in a raised box, it's so much easier. We dumped a bunch of sand in. Um, mixed up and mixed up a bunch of compost into there, and the carrots are loving it. Carrots, re- radishes, beets, all those, all those rooty ones that I could never grow in the garden. Ne- never had success. Mm-hmm. Well, that also brings us to now going down the steps and into the garden. Since we've had the time <laughs> and uh, had the nice weather, we have made that garden, um, and especially you looks so great and take the time since Gachi hasn't been around to really plan it out and make things straight clean it is the best looking garden so far most organized most organized and thought out a lot of times Gachi when you would be down there and you guys are doing stuff it's like uh let's just start planting right here because that's where I'm standing well let's be honest this is the first year where this is my from the start 
of the from this turning of the soil to right now, it's I've done it all. Normally, on the apprentice and the godsters commanding it. This year, he had really no input. So. Um, we used things like a, like, uh, <laughs> like a, a string line. So we, so what? the plants are straight. We use things like rulers. So <laughs> the distance between everything is the same. That's crazy talk. <laughs> it is crazy talk. As we were using rulers and string to lay lines and make the most uh, organized garden yet, Gaji was spending his time stuck at home jackhammering the side of the mountain he lives on. <laughs> he was going bonkers. He got a um, jack... <laughs> that, that, that is a literal... I think he was cleaning something out and he found like um, one of those um, Bosch, like small electric... It's, it's, you know, not an industrial one. Jackhammers. And he's like, oh, I got to see if it works. So we, we uh, if we ever went into town, we'd always call and see if they needed anything. Or drop off eggs. Drop off eggs or whatever. So we were dropping off. I don't even remember. And I go around back to see what he's up to. And he, he, they live at the top of a little hill. And it's more mountainy, rocky around there. And their house is kind of built into the side of, our, uh, of the mountain. Um, he is... On top of one of the big, like, on top of, like, a little ledge of rock, jackhammering, like, nothing, just jackhammering. I go, what are you doing? He goes, ah, I haven't used, I got this thing fixed a couple of years ago and never used it. I want to see if it, if it worked right. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do with this rock? So I, I, I want to get rid of it. <laughs> and I look behind him and it's just a mountain. Like, dude, it's like, <laughs> like, oh man, what are you doing? Are you going to just keep going until the mountain's gone? It's like digging to China. Digging like, to China. <laughs> Uh, so he's very so the Godster is very happy that the that the lockdown is is being eased and now we can visit friends and he's been over more he's been over for his normal morning at seven thirty eight o'clock in the in the morning but the first day he came oh my gosh uh, the first day since you know uh, he came for a while like he's seen the garden maybe a month or yeah so. we would send him photos and videos and things and it was just like out of a movie it was like cue the intro theme music as you could hear his car all of a sudden it was like the spidey sense is going up on your neck i think we hear his car coming down the road because <laughs> we haven't heard it in so long and his panda makes a particular noise that it was just like okay this sounds like a panda making its way and sure enough he comes up and drives up the driveway and slowly makes his way down to the garden because he's got to pass everything around the house and check everything out. Hands uh, um, hands clasped behind his back. Mm-hmm. And just a lot of grunting. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, it felt like a general checking he, out its troops. Shoot, absolutely. He walked the, he walked the whole, up and, down, up and down the whole garden, checking every everything out. Um, he'd have little critiques and comments like those are a little too tight. Uh, at first there was no compliments. It was just silent grunts, silent grunting and critiquing at the end. (laughs) He also, at one point, he always has things to say about the tomatoes (laughs) of what type we planted. We didn't, we never plant enough Italian tomatoes in his mind. There's so many Italian. There's so many tomatoes. There's 12 different or 10 this year. I don't even know. Yeah. 10. He kept going first. So he's seen the exotics is what he calls them. Or we made it to the exotic row. And keep in mind, exotics are just anything that isn't a Roma, San Marzano. Like if it's not an Italian type of tomato, if it doesn't have an Italian name, that is an exotic. Oh, you and your exotics. (laughs) He calls it 
right? And uh, he goes, first, we've got a Chinese virus, and now you're growing a Ukrainian tomato? What's next? And it was just so old man and classic. And he's talking all this shit about these exotic tomatoes. And then at the very end, uh, like literally in the same breath, he goes, give me two of them. We're like, why? He goes, I want to give them to my friend who's got a garden. Show him how beautiful these to- like how beautiful these tomatoes are, and it's like, oh, he did give it up. He yep. gave it up. Yep. At the very end, Mister Shit talking the whole time, and then give me two of those. I got to go brag. He also wanted to take pictures of our carrots to send to a friend because they looked so good, and then told me that he said, "How did you plant these radishes?" who planted these radishes? And I said, I did by hand. And he goes, did you just do one seed at a time? Because these are perfect. Like he did it almost was angry at how nice they were. I said, no, I just, just like salt. I just got a good rhythm and I put it down. He was like, these are perfect. (laughs) Perfectly spaced. So he uh, finally gave it up and walked around and handed out some nice comments. He even told you the garden looked good. He did tell me the garden looked good, but it, it is funny. It took a while. It took a while. He gave it up to us. So we're very proud doggies. So our, tails, yes. our tails are wagging. Well, it was like he didn't even have anything to do. So uh, he, the first thing he did, because the first day he came over and everything looked so great, he... He did the, decide that the cucumbers were too tight. What I was going to say. And walked right over to the cucumbers and literally started ripping them out of the ground yep, yep. and putting them in another spot. And just like in a place that wasn't prepared with the soil. This was classic Gaji move right there. We got gaji right away. He, it's just like, right where you're standing, Jason, dig a hole right there. And it was like, wait, we haven't even planned. This isn't ready. Oh yeah, it looks ready enough. These need to be moved. It was just like, oh my God. He had to put a stink on it. It's okay. That was light though. But um, all the po- tomatoes are all in. Um, no one died in the transplant from the, from the greenhouse to the field. Um, a little bit of stress, which is expected. Uh, but all the poles are in, and they like they're all tied up. They look good now. Um, since we got rain, I know that the um, weeds are going to go insane. So well, he loves to zappa. We did. We we um, we hoed up all the tomatoes, which I didn't think they needed it because they were <laughs> they were only planted like five days before he before he came over and saw them. So it's like oh, okay. Oh, and the other classic <laughs> is day one, first trip back. As soon as he's done working dumps everything in his hands in the middle of the garden and walks away back to his car. <laughs> it's like Jason found all this shit in the middle of the garden later. It was like, oh, yeah, God, you was here. <laughs> but it's good to have him back. We, it is. I we, never thought we, I'd miss that We face. complain. I love it. I love hearing his, the, his muffler rattle from uh, two kilometers away down the road. I love having coffee in the morning. I missed it a lot. So I'm glad he's back and busting our balls every morning. Oh, yeah. Nothing, just like nothing's changed. Just like nothing's changed. I know it. He's hysterical. Um, last time on the podcast, we chatted a bit about bread. And it was interesting. We got so many comments on your uh, little bread tangent. Bread is hot right now. Well, bread is hot, hot, hot. So I thought maybe you could um, explain a few of kind of some common problems when people are first making bread. I mean, you have been working through this for years and you still have problems and have to go back and check out videos and and you've learned a lot from your mistakes. Mm -hmm. So maybe... What did we talk about last time about bread? You started talking about flour and stuff. I did talk about flour. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this time... Let's talk about. Um, Do you want to talk about the either the rising or the shaping? Or... Let's talk about shaping. Okay, shaping's tough. 
shaping is at the end you put all this effort into letting your bulk fermentation and get all those good gas bubbles and um i i wreck my bread a lot at the end when i go to shape because i'm either um don't do it it's it's a balance between getting enough tension and doing it tight enough but not overhandling the dough to knock out the the gas the the air bubbles that have been built in and it, there's nothing um it's a learned, like it's a learned kind of thing. I watch a lot of different videos. And because is it that different breads need to be shaped differently too? Absolutely, the way you shape the bread for the different, um, uh, depending on what shape you, how you like, you want it a round or a oval or like a baguette gets shaped totally different, um, and also the tension you put into the bread and how, um, how, how much tension do you need to really develop and it's it's really difficult i watch a lot of um old school um like french bread guys like think of a pbs show that was taped in the, in the <laughs> 80s and then someone stuck it stuck it up online um and i just turn the sound off or i'll just listen to the french i kind of like to listen to it but you don't have to understand what they're saying you just have to watch their hand movements how does your dough look the same as what their dough looks like? How much pressure are they putting in? How much you can tell by the indentation their fingers make as they go. And slow, YouTube's great; you can slow it down. You could watch it over and over again. And when you go to bake bread the next time, change up what you're doing. Take notes and do if you. Yeah, you have a book, and you take a lot of notes. I take a lot of notes, and. Um, Maybe don't. Maybe if you're going to make two loaves, like one batch, and split it into two loaves, do two different techniques and see which one gets more spring and which one does. Uh, which one uh, has a little bit better form to it? It's not easy. The I made bread. I made focaccia yesterday. I I fucked it up. Sorry. For <laughs> I messed it up, and at the, right at the end. Oh, the I, one you gave Gaji. Yeah, the one I gave Gaji. He didn't say anything about it, which means it wasn't good. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> Um, so it's tough. Shaping is shaping is not easy, especially because you don't get repetition. We're baking at home, and we're baking one or two loaves at a time, like four at the most, right? Um, so you don't get the repetition of doing it twenty five times in a row to kind of get that groove. Get that groove going. Um, so that's hard too. What about um, a tip right now that the weather's changing? That um, for the bulk fermentation, yeah, like to that that could change people's bread right around now when the weather and temperatures are starting to change from the winter. Um, remember the, the when if you're cooking with a, a natural leaven or sourdough, as people call it, sourdough starter, it's a live culture, so it's going to react to the environmental changes. So if you, you notice that your bread is probably going to speed up at this time of year, whereas I was having a hard. My bread was really slowed over the winter. Um, <clears throat> you have to either take that in consideration for your bulk fermentation time, or you have to change the um, the variables that are going into the bread, meaning the temperature of the water and the ambient temperature you're you're keeping it in. I don't have luck retarding my starter uh, my dough in the fridge overnight. It just for me, I don't know why. Um, it just doesn't really work for me. So I have to find cool places to keep it if I want to do it overnight. And is, um, I'm trying to give you, I'm trying to give you some feeders. <laughs> um, and isn't this also, especially the changing of the seasons, um, or temperatures like this for us, 
a good example of trying to not go by a clock when you're following some of well, these? Well, not, not go by a clock, but don't take the whatever you're reading as your recipe as a guideline. If they tell you it's eight hours for the first rise, that's that's in their kitchen on that day and their temperature and that, all that. You have to read the dough and you have to look at it and you have to make it. That's why bread's so hard. Four ingredients, man. It's, it's tough. Um, and be flexible. Um, maybe again, if you do two loaves, maybe you let one, um, maybe you do one where buy the book eight hours and I'm going to shape it. And the other one, just let it go and see what happens. Even if you, even if you overproof it, how long did it take to overproof? And remember, that's just today. That has nothing to do with how it's going to be tomorrow, <laughs> right? Because the temperature changes, how much air you have moving through your, your kitchen, I opened both doors. I have a lot of air moving through. So even though the other day it was warm, uh, we had nice cool air and, and my bread just took longer to rise. I was like, well, it's 25 degrees today. Why isn't it coming up? It's like, oh, it's in the kitchen. Both, both, um, both doors are open and there's no activity going. Like I don't have the oven on or the stove on or anything like that. So it took a while. So be flexible, um, open your eyes, read what you see and, make changes. If you just do the same thing every time and wonder why it's not, not still not coming out, well, you, you have to change something up. Take notes. All right. That's good bread chat for this uh, podcast. <laughs> uh, don't send your bread questions, please, because they are um, quite extensive and well, it's just it hard. takes Jason a long time to reply. <laughs> it's tedious for me to watch, but he wants to go into great detail and there's so many variables that well, it's hard so to answer it's questions. Just, it's, so, it's so much. But if you've got a general one, shoot it over and maybe we'll answer it on the podcast. Like um, fresh loaf, go check out the fresh loaf. I always say that. And then I found a really great bread, Italian bread, because um, I'm trying to do more of the Italian type recipes instead of French ones. Um, well, also you're realizing that the flour reacts better. Yes. Correct? Okay. This is, uh, I found a, a website uh, called lievitonaturale.org. L I E V I T O N A T U R A L E.org. Natural org in, in English. And, um, is this site only in Italian? Only in Italian. But it's got all the real, like, it's good. I use it a lot. And everything I've done out of here pretty much yeah, comes out. Yeah, the pizza. They have literally eight different types of pizza you can make. Pizza Napolitano, Napolitano Verace, Rustica Napolitano in the Italia, Rosmarino Faro. Like, and then you go to the focaccias. There's like 12 types of focaccias. Then there's... Dolce. I mean, there's a lot of real, the real, the real Italian. I like her. Mm-hmm. And she talks about how to make the um, Italian starter versus the one, the French one I'm making, which is theirs looks more like a hard brick of. Yeah. The Italian starter looks more like Play-Doh. Yeah. It's super, <laughs> it's really dry. Like they wrap it in a towel. Uh, mine's thick pancake batter. So yeah. It's, it's different. But um, really interesting and a good one um, if you're if you're into a in, into Italian and it's you can throw it through a translator or work on your Italian. Yeah, there you go. All right, words. well, send any of your bread questions. Like I said, we'll you just told everyone not to send. Them and then I questions. said, do it. Just send it here. Maybe you'll do, answer it on the podcast versus email. Um, well, when we're not down in the garden, we've been uh, spending our evenings and some days on zoom and doing virtual move to italy workshops which has been kind of fun i'm disappointed i haven't gotten zoom bombed yet <laughs> I know. every time 
we go to turn on a meeting, he's like, do you think we'll get Zoom about it today? What Do you think we'll get Zoom? <laughs> he wants to have some crazy pop-up come on. And uh, he's always disappointed after the call. <laughs> but it's been fun to talk to people from around the globe when we've been stuck out here and don't have guests and hear their stories of why they want to move to Italy and give them a bit of our advice along the way. So if you're interested, we still have um, open enrollment through the end of May and we have two different workshops available. One is the full course, which is four calls, seven hours, one-on-one, and we go through the entire workshop with the PDF presentation, um, go over the preparation, the transition, the execution, assimilation, tons of PDFs and workshops or worksheets to help you work through it. And especially if you're starting a business, business plan template and all of that. Um, and we've actually had a lot who are just curious for um, moving part-time as a second home later. And there's still a bunch to consider for that. Um, and the other one that's been really popular is the 90-minute one-off kind of just general question overview, how to get started, where to begin. And, um, we send you a 30 point kind of to do checklist and a 90 day before you move checklist with that as well. But go visit the website. If you want to join us for a zoom, Skype, whatever, one-on-one with us in Italy. And it's a, will be a pleasure to chat with you guys. Where can I find it? Huh? Where can they find it? You guys know where to find it, www.latavolamarque.com, and check out the Move to Italy workshops on the website, and you'll get all the information. What else is on the list? Um, Also, not only the Zoom calls, but it's been nice. I've been interviewed by a couple different websites and blogs, kind of checking in on what life is like in Italy with Susan Van Allen, who is a writer and has been kind of uh, Skyping and Zooming into different parts of Italy all over, talking to expats and seeing what kind of life is like right now, which has been nice. And Smitten Italy, our friends over there, had asked us to participate in a virtual care package to Italy that she's been putting together to send to her um, email friends. And we did a little video and map of the area and some of the local day trips you could go to and our suggestions, kind of like as if you were here and in the morning we're having coffee and you're going to go explore for the day. And I sit down with a map and tell you, here's all the places you can go for a day trip um, within about an hour's drive. And um, the usual suggestions of where to eat, where to dip your feet in the water, where to get a gelato and where to get a good drink. So that was fun to put together. And you can check that out at smittenitaly.co. Um, and doing a few other expat interview podcasts as well that will come out shortly. So it's been fun chatting it up. I feel like we talked to a lot of friends and family and people a lot more now that we're home, you know, we're also- I'm not home, but that the time difference doesn't seem to matter since everyone's home. So it's kind of nice. You can we have a call coming up this morning with a Dutch couple for consulting at 9.30, another one at 4.30 in the afternoon. So kind of a mix throughout the day. It is um, – it's also um, it's weird not to be moving at this time. Let's talk about motivating. Motivate. Motivate. Uh We need to motivate. It's hard to not have the same urgency. Normally, it's like a gunfire shot and begin the race at sunrise to get everything done throughout the day from the garden and the chickens to the breakfast and the grocery shopping to cleaning up and the guests and um, cooking classes. Then, Or maybe our day is um, kind of not free, but 
able to be doing work outside. Really, the hard part for us is the evenings. Like, come seven thirty eight, it's like so weird to not be in the kitchen doing. For me, it's the, how do you replicate the urgency? And we talked. We've talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there at this time of year there I like the the pressure the mm-hmm. urgency of you have fifty things you and you have to get them you have to today. get them because there's no time tomorrow because there's a whole other list tomorrow and and we are on a schedule and you can't fall behind and you just run all day and I did, thought that that was something that I that was a burden but actually now I miss it because today the 18th of May we should I should be at. 8.30 in the morning, we should be, ru- like, going. Um, and now we're not. So <laughs> how, do you, how do you replicate that, that you know, staying sharp and, and, and not as, you know, it's, it's hard to drive as hard. But I'm seeing, like, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. There's a lot of, oh, there's always tomorrows We're trying on. to figure out different ways to... Instill that urgency, you know, making the calendar the king or the to, the today's do list must get done. Um, it's still easy to kind of go, well, it rained, so that goes till tomorrow. But um, I know it's it is interesting that it's not even that it's a lack of motivation, but it is. It's just the, the well, not. It's, it's, a, the it's a motivation on a different level. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're just sitting on our butts watching TV. No, we're doing. And we're still doing stuff, but it's it's the. It's the pace, the the exactly. it's the the drive to it's get. It's even just watering. Like I noticed, I don't move as fast just doing the hose. I was going to say the way I walk around here. Think of exactly. how I walk around here during the season. Like head People, down. Guests will be like, "Oh, he means business. He just he he walks by, and you know he's heading to go do something." <laughs> it's because it's there's a there's an urgency behind me all day long and i don't now it's more like do 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 doobie doobie do <laughs> and i'm i'm trying to get that back but it's hard that mm-hmm. kind of motivation is hard mhm i'll tell you what though we are definitely driven by the weather because having that sun come out and having it be brighter earlier and longer days and warmer, it definitely gets us outside doing these projects long into the evening that we normally wouldn't. Yeah, but it's not, that's not what I mean. No, I know. But I'm just saying I'm glad we have at least that right now. <laughs> um, pool's going to get open here. I got all my pool products coming and we're going to open the pool. Why not? Um, even if we don't have – even who knows what's going to happen this summer, but um, – I can't stare at a tarped pool all, all summer long. No, and if we can't really go to the beach or, and the festivals won't be going on necessarily because you can't have that many people together, then we might as well enjoy the pool here. So Jason uh, had to bite the bullet and get the products and everything, and um, I've got to get in. I'm from Seattle. Jason's from California, and we have very different pool etiquette. Or um... Yeah, you're not a California girl. <laughs> He makes fun of me for not jumping in. I I walk in through down the ladder or like ease myself into the pool, and he's like, "You're no California girl. That is not how a California girl gets in a pool." It's like, "No, I'm from Seattle. No one had pools, or you have an above ground pool that's freezing, so of course you're not going to jump (laughs) it." So that's uh... (coughs) allergies. Sorry, Uh, that's 
that's what's going on here for the rest of the month. By the um, end of the month, I will be I will have in to the garden the pepper next go the peppers, the eggplant or mm-hmm. aubergine. Um, what else? Another pumpkins. round and another round of cucumbers. Another round of cucumbers. We plan to do pickling, a ton of pickling this year and yeah, jarring. I want to make pickles. Pickling, preserving, jarring. We're going to have the time to do it. So exactly. The, the problem with all, all this stuff is I would love to do more stuff in jars or, or different creative things, but it all comes up in July and August when we are just slammed and I don't have really have time to, to do it. Other than the tomatoes, which are fundamental, like we have to do the tomatoes. You call that your lifeblood. I don't call it my lifeblood. <laughs> Never used those words before. You've called it something like I've really... got oil going through my veins. No, you've called I've it never... something dramatic before when people wanted to like buy them off you and you're like, I can't get away, give these away. These are so important. You love the to- jarred tomatoes. All right, bring us home. All right, we've got stuff to do. You know where to find us? LatavoLamarche.com, L-A-T-A-V-O-L-A-M-A-R-C-H-E. Uh, find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at LatavoLamarche, or follow me at Ashley Bartner. Uh, do or don't, send us those bread questions. <laughs> Info at LatavoLamarche. And if hopefully you can join us for a Zoom Skype chat about your plans for moving to Italy, and we can help you get the ball rolling. All right, thanks for listening and downloading. Ciao, ciao.